0: If you're getting people who are calling you, who want to pay ridiculously low amounts for your work, that's not a problem with the market, that's a problem with your marketing. Your marketing is attracting people who think they can get you for cheap.
1: Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. On the show, it's my job to tease out the creative solutions my guests are coming up with to change the world through creativity, social action, and mindset. I also give you tips and techniques so you can do the same. This episode is brought to you by my class, Meditation for Busy People, where you'll learn how to relieve stress and discover clarity and joy in just five minutes a day. It's also brought to you by the Brain FM app and this podcast host, podbean also follow the podcast on instagram or tiktok and check out our shop for merch music and musings the links are all in the show notes hey there this is isolda with a special announcement i know that you're excited about this week's guest i am too but you need to hear this before we get into the episode While Eric Henning teaches general principles of money and does individual business coaching, he cannot and does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional licensed in your place of residence for specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Azolda Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. This is the second Monday, which, as I've been saying in episodes leading up to this second Monday is Money Monday with financial expert and professional magician, Eric Henning. Eric just came off of speaking at Capital Kidvention, and that's the biggest family entertainer conference in the United States of America. So I'm very excited to hear his thoughts on this week's topic. We decided that we're going to jump right into something that is troubling for just about anybody who's a freelancer, a gig worker, small business owner, we're all asking the same thing. And that is, what do I charge? And how does it stack up to what the market will bear? And what are other people charging? And are these even the questions that I should be asking as I navigate how to price my work in the marketplace? So if you're a freelancer, a gig worker, a creative, a small business owner, you need to be listening to this episode, especially because we're going to be talking all about pricing. Eric, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome.
0: Oh, thanks. It's great to be back, Isolda.
1: So talk to me about some of the things that I just mentioned. You and I were talking last week and we said, hey, what's up with pricing? How do people price? What should we be doing to price ourselves, A, competitively, and B, to make sure that we're getting what we're worth? I'd love to talk to you about that, but I also I'd love to hear about convention. What happened with that? How did it go? And... What did you learn from being there and also speaking there?
0: Well, that's a great question. Thanks. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, I, you can. It's almost hard to believe that I was at convention with hundreds and hundreds of, <laughs> of family entertainers, and now I have a cough, so there's a shock. Um, <laughs> at least it's not serious. Uh, I was uh, I was booked to be one of the guest speakers. I've keynoted there several times before, and actually the funny part was the last time I spoke at convention was... 2018 January of 2018 and I was a keynote speaker and I gave my talk that I give to groups called the five biggest money mistakes that entertainers make um, and I can do that for fine artists or whatever it it really transfers and during that talk I said to people you know you need to save up a year's worth of living expenses in case something happens in the economy that might interrupt your business and I almost got laughed off the stage because people said well there's always going to be a demand for balloon art and Everybody's going to always want face painters and remember that was January 2018 two years before lockdown Mm. So and I gave this talk at many many industry or uh, conferences both in person and online So uh, people were coming up to me going. Oh my god. You gave us two years warning on this I'm, so glad you know that I did this or I wish I had done that Um, And so I had a certain amount of credibility coming back, but I was talking mainly to the magicians I have a a lecture. I've been doing for about a year now. I have a um, a stage magic show that will play in a 500 seat theater and um it's a 45 minute show and it fits in a box the size of a lunch box i call it my emergency lunch box show and so i've been doing this for various groups and it's very stimulating it gives people a lot of thoughts about oh how they can uh, be prepared for some of the situations we walk into. Because I'm sure, as older you've never had an agent book you for one thing and then walked in and the client had a completely different expectation. I'm sure that's never, <laughs> ever happened to you, right?
1: Not ever, like no. 55 times at least. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's usually they book close-up Strolling Magic, which which is the cheapest thing on the agent's menu. And then you walk in and they say, here's the stage for your show. And so, but there are some times when you have to be prepared. For example, there's a gig that I regularly do which is for about 100 uh, IHOP franchisees that fly in from around the country. It's a very ritzy party at a mansion in Virginia. And uh, one year I went and there were cars everywhere, which is unusual because these guys fly in and they get shuttled from the hotel. There's never any cars in the parking lot. And I walk in, I said, you know, I better grab the emergency stage show just in case. And the client met me at the door and said, "Instead of close-up magic, we've got our remote employees. The franchisees didn't want to fly in because of COVID, so now we've got our remote people. And our staff are in here enjoying the party this year, and they really want to talk to each other because they haven't seen each other in a couple of years. Uh, could you just set up in the parlor and do like a parlor show every well, every 30 minutes or so, and people can come in and out?" And I said, "Sure." So I was glad that I had that in my back seat. In fact. I didn't. I, I've had it for years, and I never really needed it until I started lecturing about it, which is really hilarious. So hmm. this was a very practical lecture about the show side of show business, but it does have some, you know, a little bit of overlap into the business side. But enough about me. What do you think about me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but we want to talk about pricing because uh, one of the reasons that people do that, either uh, deliberately or um, you know, accidentally. Is because of pricing. They want to get the most value for their dollars, which is totally understandable. It's astonishing to me that people take umbrage when they get called up by some kid, some 12-year-old intern from a charity who wants to book them for free. Uh, whether it's uh, you know doing painting during dinner or uh, tarot readings or uh, singing or whatever it is that you do, and they say, "Can you or can you donate a picture to a silent auction?" you know, uh, people take umbrage like, well, you're insulting me by asking me to work for free. No, they're not. They're being good stewards of the donations they've received. That's what we want. We want organizations to be a little cheap, and try to get the best value for the dollars because they have a responsibility to their donors to make that money go as far as possible and to reserve as much of it as possible for the thing they're actually trying to do whether it's cancer research or uh you know advocacy against women's violence or whatever it happens to be so a lot of people just hang up and go no sorry and they just get insulted and i'm like you can't do that these are great opportunities. I turn these into really high paying gigs. And that's a, we might want to do a whole show about how to do that. But the point is that the people out there want a deal. They want the best deal for their money. Even if they're prepared to pay a high price, they want value. Okay. So the number one rule is whatever we charge, what we are doing has to be worth more than we're actually charging. Not, that doesn't mean we undersell ourselves. That means if you're selling a painting for $1,000, you know that it's worth 1200 and you could get 1200 for it. Or if you're doing a magic show for $1,000, you know that next year it's gonna be 1200 The point is that we need to provide value. And I think when we talk about pricing, uh, people forget that it's really important to distinguish ourselves in the marketplace. If we, one of the reasons we have trouble getting people to pay the prices we want is that we're not good at communicating the value that we're providing. And it's not about, Oh, this is really beautiful painting, or I do a great show. Nobody cares about how great your show is. They care about how you're going to solve their problem. And that's the value that we bring. So we need, when we're talking with potential clients, we need to uncover the, the problem that they're having so that we can show how we are, particularly equipped if not uniquely equipped to solve it does that make sense
1: sure of course but the thing is this right you are if you're you're it's it's the same kind of marketing as providing, what are the benefits that I'm gonna provide for you? What are the, you know, yes, what are the problems I'm gonna solve? If their problem is that they need <clears throat> a, an amazing entertainer for very inexpensive, well, then maybe I can provide that or maybe I can't. The trouble for me when you say that is, again, I, come, I, I always come back to the psychology of all this. I always want to go back and go, okay, how do entertainers get to the point where or, or creatives in general it doesn't have to be performing artists it can be fine artists it can be freelancers it can be other kinds right. of gig workers how do we get to the point where we're looking at that especially i'm going to use myself as an example as a as a tarot reader palm reader crystal reader whatever it is to, you know whatever it is i'm getting booked for that's the problem is that uh for for most of the market they go oh uh, I, I need a fortune teller for this event. I'm gonna call Isolda or I'm gonna call whoever. And it's not a, uh, how do I put this? It's not a, I want Zolda for my event mindset. It's a, I need a fortune teller right. for my event. And so, and I talk about this in, in Get Book, the book that I'm writing about how to work with booking agents, in that what you want is for them to be thinking, I wanna hire Isolda. I wanna hire Eric, instead of going, okay, I want to... I want to hire a fortune teller i want to hire a magician so so in that situation eric what are your thoughts as far as distinguishing yourself solving a problem i know what i do to distinguish myself as as one of the premier readers in the country i know what i'm doing but what are your what are your suggestions for people who are interested in solving problems but don't have any real idea how to distinguish themselves so that they are in a position to solve those problems
0: right well, first of all, I'm really glad because the way you frame the question is perfect. Yeah, <laughs> we need to we need to get away from the 1950s door to door or TV ad salesman uh, mentality of features and benefits. Okay. Uh, nobody wants to buy a magic show, no matter go- how good it is. When we say, oh, this magic show is going to wow your audience. That's not what they're buying. If they we say that's a beautiful painting that you're going to look at with love forever, that's not what they're buying we need to get out of our head and get into the shoes of the client and and talk to them long enough until they tell us the real reason they're looking for what they're looking for in other words like mark twain said everybody has two reasons for doing something uh the reason that sounds good and the real reason if somebody's booking me for a holiday party they don't want a magic show they want an entertainer that everybody's going to go, wow. And they want their boss to pat them on the back and go, boy, you did a great job with that. And uh, especially they don't want to lose their job. We talked about this in the last time we were together. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's what they're buying. When somebody's buying an, uh, an oil painting, they may want to be buying a memory of a place that they visited. Or they might want to buy something that reminds them of a relative. They might want to buy something to fill that hole above their sofa on that's on the wall. We don't know, but I can guarantee you it's almost never, or they want to buy something from an, audience, uh, an artist that's up and coming so they can brag to their friends that I, I found this artist before they were famous. They, you know, I hired this band before they got their big contract and, and were on TV. So there are a multitude of reasons why people might book somebody but they, it almost it invariably almost never has to do with what we're actually doing. It has to do with what we're doing can do for them. So the features and benefits of what we're doing are nice to know. But if we just go into a canned spiel, that's not going to work because everybody's different. And so the, th- the five most magical words that I use that get me to where I want to go to find out what they're really buying is tell me about your event or tell me, tell me what you're doing. What are you looking for? You know, and, and since 90% of the people, 95% of the people that book me are women, I, I let them talk until they're finished talking. I go, uh-huh. I occasionally will ask a clarifying question. I will take notes, but I will listen. Why? Because For two reasons. One is I want to get them deep enough into it that they're actually telling me what's going on. And secondly, I, a lot of times women in the workplace are, are not listened to very well. And so I can, if I can find out what they're really trying to do, then I can address that directly. And now I'm no longer just a vendor looking for, I'm not a supplicant. I'm not looking, I'm saying, please hire me. I am the expert helping them make their event better. I'm a friend. And that's why on the first call, and this is another key point, first, you got to make sure you have a great product or service. Secondly, you got to find out what they're actually buying and then talk to them about how you are in a position to deliver on that and that will separate you from everybody else. And if you look at, I'm, again, magic is the thing I know the best, so I, I don't want to be dogmatic about this, but if you look at most magician websites, most of them are like, I do a great show. Isn't, Art not I cool? Click here, you can be cool too, which is just a step away from the 1998 website, which is, I'm cool. You want to be cool, click here to send money. So it's, you know, that, that's not how we're going to get booked, unless you're <laughs> selling tickets to a show. Right. Unless you're inviting people to an art gallery opening, um, that's not the approach you want to take. What you want to take is have it flip it around and say, "What kind of issues are you having? Do you? Uh, I sold a lot of Zoom shows and hybrid shows during COVID." Because I said to people, look, you've got half your people are in the office physically, and half of them are remote. Let's do a party that includes both of them. And we'll have Zoom on site, and I'll do a show for the Zoom people, and I'll do a show for the people that are there. And it's going to bring your team. So what are they accomplishing? They're not hiring a magic show. They're bringing their team together in a time when people are very isolated. So that's really what they're buying, is they're buying team building. You see, and so once we understand what they're really buying, then we can have a dialogue, and just doing that is going to enable us to compete uh, without any mention of price at all, because we're obviously you know that's a thing where we're we're giving them so much value at this point just by talking to them, and that's why the third thing is I always give them something of value on the first call, whether they book me or not. I give them an idea or a suggestion based on my experience that's going to make their event better even if they never book me, because I really believe that what goes around comes around. So, And we can do a whole show about how to talk to people on the phone and all of that. But but my point is that once we understand what people are buying, then we can start pricing it accordingly because a magic show or a tarot reading may have a certain price in the marketplace, but team building or impressing your friends, that's priceless. That's priceless. So if you become the socialite that got Isolde first, and all the friends are like, where did you find her? She's amazing. And she like, yeah, I found her. A, you, you know, I'm sure she'd probably be happy to do your parties. Well, now all of a sudden you're gaining social status. And that's one of the reasons people do what they do. I can't tell you how many people that book me in DC are like, introduce me It's like, this is the guy who did magic for the Obamas. Ooh, why? Because it's status for them. And so, um so those are several things that we can do to establish our value with clients before we ever talk about price but maybe we should move on to how we get to pricing to begin with
1: uh maybe we can sure but but uh, here's the thing though like what you just said about distinguishing yourself and before you ever even talk price i for example, my way of looking at any reading gig that I get is this is how I'm gonna make each one of your guests feel like they're special, right? That's, that's what I, like I know exactly what their lives are all about and, and the, I'm gonna help them feel really special and like the, the most important person in the room. And I deliver on that. But yeah. it's, oop, hold on, I have to cough.
0: And that's huge value, older you've you already you're already in that pocket if, of they're not buying a tarot reading they're buying an experience for their guests that they can't get any other way
1: exactly and and that does allow me to charge more. it's not more it's what i'm worth here's the thing though again we're talking you know nuts and bolts here you are called by sure. an agent or you are contacting a client and you want to charge something you're saw your you let's say i actually let's take it this way let's say if you're you're a novice performer let's say you're middle of the road let's say you're very experienced and you are at the point where you are like you said solving your clients problems what are the ways that we need to approach how much we charge in order to be commensurate with what we need as well as commensurate with the market in those three slots someone who's a novice someone who's mid mid-range in their performing career or art a car i'll say creative career and someone who's an expert or or extremely experienced what are your thoughts on that
0: okay so let's talk about uh let's talk about the basic idea behind pricing uh the the, the strategies that most artists and creative people use to price are kind of backwards first thing they do is they usually try to find out what other people are charging, and they try to match that. Mm -hmm. And that is a sure path to poverty, because all you're doing is you're basically saying to the marketplace, I am mediocre. I'm just as good as everybody else. There's no reason not to hire the other person if we're the same price. Uh, And so you have to distinguish yourself in some other way. Some people underprice themselves in order to gain market share. And the problem with that is that works for Walmart, because they can always sell another 10000 tubes of toothpaste they can make it up on volume we can't if we're doing something that requires time whether it's making a painting or doing a show uh, there's only 365 days a year we can't make up a low price on volume Um, I actually was uh, at a kids kids magic conference uh, years ago about 20 years ago and uh, one of the speakers was a guy who had achieved notoriety in the magic realm by doing he does 700 shows a year And everybody's like, how do you book so many shows? And then later on, when he found out I was was a financial guy, because at that point I was still still a partner in my investment firm, he sat me down privately and he said, listen, I can't pay my bills. And I'm like, what do you mean you're doing? You're averaging two shows a a day almost. How can you not pay your bills? And then he showed me his business card and he was the $100 magician. He was like, I could do $100 shows, I make $70,000 a year, I can't pay my bills. And I said, said, well, why are you charging 100? He said, because I can't charge any more. Nobody has any money. And I said, where are you located? And I said, Appalachia. And I said, well, where? He said, Louisville, Kentucky. I said, Louisville? You mean the Louisville that hosts the richest annual sporting event in the world? You mean Louisville where people keep thoroughbred horses? Yeah, nobody has money in Louisville. But he had branded himself as the hundred dollar magician and if he was going to ever break out of that he would have to move because he had poisoned the market there so by deliberately undercutting you know look back in the 50s and 60s you could price yourself low wait for your calendar your docket to fill up and then start raising your prices that was great when you're the only guy in town and there's three people in the yellow pages and there's no internet for people to compare with now people can hire a magician from anywhere in the world or get a painting from anywhere in the world. You can get prints of paintings from dead artists now on the internet. And so your competition has expanded dramatically. So how do you you price that? When you're just starting out and let's say we're not necessarily great at what we do, I would say do it for free until somebody starts paying you. And by that I mean, I don't mean take work away from paying from professionals, I mean, there are groups that simply don't have a budget to pay for something. There are groups that you can work for, and what you will get is you will get photos, you will get video, you will get, you know, you always get something in exchange, and you will get a great review on Google or a testimonial letter. And then you build your portfolio of those things to the point where now, when somebody calls you, you can say, well, here, I've got this resume now um here's what i'm going to charge and then you start charging okay so that's one way to do it uh when you're in the middle of the pack and sometimes we're not very good at assessing our own skills um one of my mentors jeff mcbride has a saying you're better than you think you are and you're not as good as you think you are (laughs) Hmm. um uh, you can uh work when you're part-time you can work for you know what you would be earning uh at your full-time job That's one way to measure it. Um, But if you want to eventually go full time, you're going to have to do something like what I did. And I, I kind of, I discovered this in a very, very old book on sales. That was originally published in the 1930s and I applied it back in the 1990s when I was on full commission, pure commission as a, as an investment salesman. So I wasn't getting a salary. So if I didn't work, I didn't eat. Uh, And that's pretty scary for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I realized I have no control over how much, how much business I'm going to do. I don't have any control over how many people say yes or how much money they invest. I don't have any control even over how many people are willing to take my phone calls. But you know what I can control? I can control how many times I dial the phone. And I decided to keep track of how many times I dialed the phone and how many times I talked to a person, real person and how many times I made an appointment, how many calls it took to make an appointment. And then how many of those appointments turned into clients and how many of those clients turned into business and how much business each client on average did. And what I found was when I did the math and I worked it backwards, every time I dialed the phone, it was worth a hundred dollars to me, whether I talked to anybody or not. uh, If I dialed the phone enough, I would eventually talk to enough people, make enough appointments and do enough business that each dial of the phone was worth a hundred dollars. And now it's just about collecting those. It was how many no's can I collect? You know, how many people can I talk to? Because every no meant I was getting closer to yes. And so I did that. Now you can't do that with investments. Now you can't just cold call people anymore. But the principle is the same. The problem is not that we're so much that we're over or under pricing ourselves. It's that we don't have enough people to talk to. And the way we do that is going beyond just having a website, but actually doing outbound marketing, going after people, but let's, but that comes later in the process. So what I did was to do all this was I I said, how much money do I want to make a year before taxes? And I said, let's just say, for example, $100,000. This is just a round number. You want to make a $100,000 before taxes. Now, obviously, half of that is going to be taxes or expenses or so, much of which you will get back. So if you're an entrepreneur Uh, and you're full-time and you gross $100,000, you'll probably end up pocketing about $80,000 of that, something like that, roughly. Um, But let's say it's $100,000, okay, let's say you can do, um, well, let's say that that means $100,000 is less than $10,000 a a month, but let's make it even rounder. Let's say you want to take two months vacation and you want to work for 10 months a year, Okay. So now you got to earn ten thousand dollars a month, and let's say you charge thousand dollars for a reading, that means you need to do ten readings a month. Okay, but or let's say you how many readings can you do is a better way of expressing it. You start mm-hmm. with what are you able to do? Can you can you do ten readings a month? Probably, um, you, you know. So if you do ten readings a month and you get thousand dollars a reading, then you're done. So now it's a question of who is willing and able to pay thousand dollars for a reading, and how? Where do you find these people? And um, while you may, and and you can go to the agents and you can say, my price is, uh, you know, uh, twelve fifty, but I'm going to discount you by twenty five percent or whatever, and that's going to be a thousand dollars. So you're getting your fee from your agent. Um, and you can do that if you mostly work through agents. But the idea is that that's what you're getting in revenue. Now, again, revenue is not income. You're going to be subtracting your expenses and so forth. But, I mean, this is pretty simple math. So then the question becomes, well, how do I get those 10 gigs? There's a lot of different ways. You can go on gig sites. Um, you can go, which I don't necessarily recommend, although even when I, before I got off of Gigmasters, because I got on Gigmasters when I was, in 2006 when it was very early. And I was actually the top rated magician in North America for a couple of years on there. Uh, but I got tired of people not actually reading the, the, my profile and mm. calling me for birthday party shows in California because I'm in D.C. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to California for a $350 birthday party. But you put your minimum down. What's your minimum price? And you'll still get some leads from people who can't read or who aren't thinking straight or who think that they're you know it doesn't apply to them. Um, And that's fine. So you'll just waste a little bit of time on that, but you will get a certain number of gigs from that. Um, Obviously, the best way to get gigs is referrals. And so if you can ask for referrals from the people, your best clients, if you can clone your best clients, you can take the favorite gigs that you love to do and call those people and say, who do you know that should know about me? I have a really nice, and you have an offer, have a, a, a PDF, write a four page or five page article about you know, how to, how to buy an oil painting or where to put paintings in your house or, you know, what a tarot reader really does or um, how you can use magic to uh, get rid of the dreadful wait, the guests waiting for the bridal party at the wedding reception or whatever problem that you, you know, a real problem that comes up that you can solve for people with what you do, then you've got an offer and you've got something to engage people. You put that on your website, and you'll get more contacts, more engagement as well. You know, give me your name and email address and phone number and you get this free thing that explains to you something about what you need to do. Because we don't have cable channels telling everybody, you know, what a tarot reader is supposed to cost. The way they do with, you know, weddings and uh, home renovation and things like that. Those We have whole cable channels there, nothing but infomercials. So you go backwards. You start with how much money do I need if I'm going to be full-time or if I'm going to be part-time, how much is this going to be worthwhile? And so, you know, it's the number of gigs and then how many gigs can I really practically do, right? I'm in a situation where I'm the primary caregiver for my 91-year-old Navy veteran mom who has dementia and my son's turning 18. I can't can't do gigs constantly. Um, And I have some physical issues too that are limiting my stamina. So I can do maybe seven to 10 gigs a month. So I'm never going to do 30 shows a year, but somebody who's trying to make a full-time living doing $250 birthday party shows, they're going to have to do 20 or 30 shows a month. Excuse me, I meant a month rather than a year. They're going to have to do a lot more shows a month to make a living. And so the best way to do this is to find that higher level market, to be the premium provider. Because again, if we compete on price, we're going to either be poor we're just going to be overlooked because people may look, you know, the problem is on the internet, everybody's got the same typeface. And so how do people know that we're different? So you've got to put whatever makes you different from the competition right up front. Um, a dear friend of mine who's genius at marketing once told me, um, there are only three things you can be, you can be first, you can be best or you can be different. Most of us are not going to be the first in our market. Um, and whether we're best in our market is debatable. I know only a handful of people who can really claim to be the best at what they do. But we can be different. We can be different. And in order to be different, it means we're going give, give to up, give up some gigs or some events or some customers that we might have in, in order to focus and own our own market niche. Okay? So if you're doing paintings and your niche is high-end law offices and doc, and and you know high-powered attorney's offices then now you've got people who understand value un- want something that's impressive and they're willing to pay money for it and they're able to pay money for it if you're doing men's clothing there's a difference between opening a store and waiting for people to show up or working at joe banks or men's warehouse Or what one fellow did in Atlanta, which was go to make appointments to go to stockbrokers and lawyers and doctors and do custom made to measure fittings for them in their office to save them time and then with the swatches and then do the custom suits. He went to them and that was the value that he provided and he was able to basically do a terrific job. And, and save them what was more precious to them than money, which is time. So there's always a way that we can add value in terms of how we're solving our clients problems. And that's where we get into pricing higher. Because, look, um, I don't know if he actually said this, but it's reputed that Baskin Robbins had this very famous saying, which is, you know, you've got to compete on quality because any, if you compete on price, then you're at the mercy of the price shopper and they're going to go to the next person who charges a dollar less. So you, you can't compete on price. You can't be the cheapest person in the market. You can't be trying to, comp- to charge the same as everybody else. Because if you charge the same as everybody else, then the, the impression you're giving is that you are the same as everybody else. And so why should they hire you? So the really the only choice is to compete on quality and believe me, you don't have to sell nearly as many Rolls Royces a month as you do Yugos to make a living.
1: And mic drop. Okay,
0: <laughs> that was that was great. I'm sorry, that's a lot of. I'm, I know that was a lot of information. I'm it,
1: sorry. it it no 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 don't ever. But there, I said something to a a person I interviewed yesterday when he kept apologizing for giving really long answers, and I said. There are no long answers and there are no wrong answers so don't don't worry about it this is great let me let me ask you though okay uh, and and I think I'm gonna put out a little a little uh, freebie for you if you're listening to this I'm gonna give you a worksheet I'm gonna call it something like, uh, the Creative Performer Pricing Worksheet so that you can get some of this stuff down that Eric has said. And uh, if you give us your email address, both he and I will be perhaps sending you some things that will keep adding value as you go on your uh, creative and performing artist journey. I want, to, I want to talk to you about something that I think uh, that kind of made me go, huh? And that is voice acting. This is, this is the, let's talk about that. So there are a lot, there's a lot of uh, difference, I would say there's a huge continuum between people who are really top of the charts, if you will, in their voice acting careers. And there are people who really want to get into voice acting, but don't even have their first microphone. Right. And, and so we have in this situation, the the people in who are really experienced voice actors going, you know, don't use some of these uh, Fiverr, Upwork kinds of websites, because you're going to be pricing the market down, right? You're going to be doing this voice acting gig for five dollars or whatever, and right. and you're, you're you're basically pricing it down. Now, here's here's my issue with that, and that is for something like voice acting, you how are you going to do it for free if you don't know about these gigs? Like you said, do it for free until you can, until somebody pays you, which is great. But how do you, as something like voice actor, who uh, you don't have a a method of going to anybody and going, this is, I can do this for you for free. I don't even have a microphone yet. I just know that this is something I wanna do. How do you price yourself if you are in a market like that, where frankly, the union is going to have an entire different set of pricing versus someone who's very new, and the same thing with SAG-AFTRA and equity. It's a completely different world when it comes to pricing. If I'm char- if I'm booking actors to read my play, for example, for a table read, and I'm working with equity actors, I'm in a completely different pricing world than some than going to colleges and going, "Hey, folks, I'd love to have you come and do a table read of my show." How do we do that? How do we navigate that when the pricing can be so varied, depending on experience, but also depending on sort of the paradigm of the performing that we're doing?
0: Yeah, well, the difficulty voice acting is a really interesting example because that whole market was upended uh, probably about 10, 15 years ago uh, because Robin Williams did Aladdin. And when Robin Williams did Aladdin, All of a sudden, every aging actor in America said, oh, I can do voice work, I can do cartoons, I can do, and the other thing was the rise of video games. Mm. I can do video game voicing and I don't have to look good. If you're a 40 or 50 year old woman in Hollywood trying to get acting gigs, this was a godsend. But what it did was it displaced the journey, the regular voice actors who had been making a living doing things like, English versions of anime cartoons, for example, mm-hmm. um, and in fact, a dear friend of mine was one of those guys who was just booted out of work. There was no work because it was all Hollywood celebrities and stars, and so now these cartoon, mo- these animated movies, these animated features, and video games were being sold on the basis of the names of the actors who had done the voices, and this mm-hmm. completely upended the market. Now there's all there's. I guess the point, another point here is that there are different levels of markets. The average person who wants to get into voiceover is not going to be voicing, you know, stuff from DreamWorks. Okay. It's not, that's not where they're going to start out. They're going to start out, they might be doing books on tape. They might start out doing books on tape. There are groups like the, um, there are groups that need books on tape readers who can't pay. They're nonprofits who love, they want you to read books to the blind, for example. And so if that's a way that you can get flight time and get your chops up. Um, there are performers that need voice introductions on tape, right? Uh, there are, and I've done that for a number of magicians. And in fact, I have a friend here in DC, Lisa Baden, who was the, the most popular traffic reporter on all the stations around here, the news radio stations. And I still have her introduction, although She's retired now, so people don't necessarily recognize her voice. Um, I, I had a friend, Joe Romano, who's doing school shows, um, and he did, was sponsored by Verizon back when James Earl Jones was doing the Verizon commercials. So he had his introduction was done by James Earl Jones, and he and after he quit working for them, he kept it. So now Darth Vader introduces his school shows, which is hilarious. <laughs> That's great. Um, but there are people, again, it's just like anything else, there are groups and there are people who may not be able to pay you uh, or pay, pay you at all or pay you a lot, that definitely have a need. And, you know, that maybe there's a campus radio station that needs drops voiced for in between, uh, uh, in between programs, or they need commercials voiced, or there's a nonprofit that needs a PSA, uh, public service announcement, voiced, but they don't really have a lot of money. Um, so there are opportunities there to build your portfolio that don't necessarily involve Fiverr. Um, this argument that you're going to price down the market, I think, is baloney. And here's why it's baloney. And we get this in Magic, too. Oh, because you can go on Gigmasters now and there's a $75 birthday clown. And I'm like, look, if somebody is, here's the thing. If somebody is hiring, looking to hire a $75 birthday clown, God bless them, that's great. I, that's not my market. If you're getting people who are calling you who want to pay ridiculously low amounts for your work, that's not a problem with the market. That's a problem with your marketing. Your marketing is attracting people who think they can get you for cheap. And so that's, that's an adjustment that needs to be made in your marketing. Uh, my, and you've seen my website to My websites are designed to scare the cheapskates away. <laughs> I want them to I want them to go I don't put my prices on my website I'm like I want them to go holy crap I, I hope we can afford this guy I wonder if he's available you know because when they're looking for entertainment they want to know three things they want to know are you any good can we afford you and are you available for the date we want and the website says I'm good but it's not me saying it it's other people saying it so the process of doing free gigs we gather testimonials we get testimonial letters so we don't just do a when I say a free gig, what I'm talking about is a concept that Jeff McBride calls a fee, getting your fee, a fair exchange of energy. So if I do a gig for free, there's going to be several things. I'm basically subsidizing the gig. So uh, I'm going to get photo. If they have a professional photographer, I'm going to get photos and video from that gig. That's in the contract. Uh, if they have, uh, If they like it, they're going to give me a testimonial letter. It's in the contract. They're going to do a a, a five star Google review if they feel if they feel I deserve it. That's in the contract. You see, so I'm collecting all of these things. I just booked a gig uh, yesterday for a family. Uh, They're doing a 70th birthday party uh, for the lady's mom. It's an army family and they don't have a lot of money, uh, so they can't do my regular fee. Uh, and I, when you give them their fee, here's a rule of thumb from our friend Eugene Berger, God rest his soul, if they don't drop the phone when you quote their fee, your fee's too low. So just let that marinate for just a minute. Um, so I, 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 I say, oh, I know you can't afford my regular fee, which is blah, but I'm going to do this. Why? Because my, I'm from a Navy family. I'm four generations Navy. And I know what it's like to be a military family. I understand the sacrifices. I understand the stressors. And I am. And and when they understood that I was part of that tribe, there was nobody else they were gonna book for that mm-hmm. show. And all they could think about is, can we afford you? And so I gave them a significant discount from my regular fee because to me, spiritually and emotionally, it was worth subsidizing that gig. But that was a conscious decision that I made that that gig was one that I wanted to subsidize.
1: And I think so much of it is that right there, it's you choose your price, you choose to lower it for, x reason for example for me it's uh house of ruth has had the philosopher's tones holiday caroling group a number of times for their annual holiday event where they have the women and the children who are uh residents of the house of ruth which is a a, a battered women and children's shelter that's i've, I've nationwide. done
0: financial I, i've done financial teaching seminars for the house of ruth down here in dc so yeah I'm very familiar exactly Great organization
1: terrific and i've done things like uh I go in and I create the resumes for them so that they can go out and apply for jobs, things like that. But it's our choice, right? As as a yes. an entertainer and a performer, if you choose to do this, that's completely different than uh sort of being pressured to or feeling the pressure to do these yes. things for free. And they will pressure you. So what are your thoughts about uh sort of stealing yourself against that because especially someone who's newer will go well maybe i should i don't know how how would you work with that to make it so that it is either palatable and you will do it or to go no thank you like you you've already said you've you have set yourself up and your marketing up so that those folks don't try to book you but let's say someone does let's say they're like you know what i've got the gonads to do this i'm gonna try them anyway what do you say when that kind of thing happens?
0: Uh, I've got a little dilemma now because I've got another hour I could do on this, and we don't have that kind of time. So, <laughs> how do we? How another do want, another episode. <laughs> I, you want it? You want me to give? Let me give you the short answer. Okay. The short the short answer is you find the money somewhere else. Okay. So, uh, I get and this happens to me all the time, and I got to give a shout out to Dean Hankey and Claude Haggerty. Uh, who are brilliant at this. Brilliant at this. They, they really are. Terrific. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful people, too. Um, okay. So here's what happens. Charity calls me up. And again, it's a kid, it's a college kid who's doing their, or a high school kid doing their community service, and they don't know, they're just reading a script. They don't have any authority, they can't really deviate from the script, they're just being told, call and collect what you can, we're, we're, you know, whether it's ice cream from the grocery store for free, or free pizzas, or a free magic show. Okay, so they call up and say, yeah, we're doing a thing for, uh, you know, Association of Retired, Retarded Citizens, ARC of... Uh, howard county that's the actual name so before you you write your angry letters dear Zolda, i am so insulted by the use of that no that's the name of the organization okay okay um thanks for clarifying so yes so i do arc of howard county they call me up and they say we're doing a, a fundraiser we don't have a big budget can you do the show as a donation okay well the first red flag is the word donation because under irs rules under the tax laws you, donations are not tax deductible donations of services are not tax deductible only donations of physical goods and cash are tax deductible so when somebody calls you up and says well you can donate your tarot reading and you can write it off that's not true now you don't get into an argument with them about it because they don't know. And they're again, writing a script that was written for somebody who obviously does not understand the situation. That's not their fault. So I'm never rude to the person calling me because they are the gateway to the actual decision makers. So I say, look, I'll be happy to talk to the person who actually books the event and is running the event uh, and find out if there's a match here. I want to see if there's a fit because if it's the right fit, I will consider uh, doing it for free or for a reduced rate, but I need to talk to that person. Who is that person? If I can get their name and contact information, great, otherwise I'll say, please ask them to call me. Here's my name. You have my name and number. Please ask them to call me. And I'd be happy to talk with them. But I'm not going to commit yet. So let's say the decision maker, so I say, hi, are you the final decision maker? And They might say, well, I have to run it by a committee. I said, would you like to do a Zoom call with the committee? because I'd be happy to present it to them. My goal is I want to get rid of the middlemen. I want to go directly to the people who are actually making the decision so that, number one, I can answer questions because if I sell somebody that's lower level, they have to now go and sell the committee, and they're not going to do as good a job as I am because they don't know as much about what I do as I do. Sure. So I want to talk to the people. So I'll do a Zoom call with the committee, or if it is the person with the final say, I'll say, well, here's my normal rate. And then after the paramedics have revived them, then, then they say, well, we can't afford that. And I said, well, I'm sure that you can't. That's fine. However, let's see if we can make this work because I'm willing to be flexible. So I do a certain percentage discount, usually about 20% discount for nonprofits right off the bat. But then I say, let's see if we can find one of your board members or one of your donors or a corporate sponsor who can sponsor my appearance at your event. And I did this very successfully for many years with school fairs and festivals, which are normally held in the fall or the spring. Uh, And they're usually, the kids go home from school and then come right back or they stay on. And it's usually like four or five o'clock until sunset. And they have games and they have other things. And now they used to get food donations and now they get food trucks that pull up in the parking lot. And the restaurants that are smart bring the food trucks and give out the food for free or for very little money, like a dollar a sandwich, because it's advertising for them. And I have, had, I have had sponsors, I have had dentists, orthodontists, daycares, uh, professional summer camps, um, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, toy stores. Um, you know, I've had all kinds of companies sponsor me and my pitch to the sponsor is I will thank you verbally at the beginning and the end of the show. I will have a sign on the front of my table that says, sponsored by, you know, thanks to so-and-so with your company logo and your website. And for an extra X amount of dollars that gets me back up to my regular fee, I will do a special trick in the middle of the show that highlights your product or service.
1: Ooh.
0: You know, if it's a dentist, you get the giant toothbrush and the foam tooth and do a whole bit about, you know. Or, or whatever, or do a donut. I know I'm sneezing and donuts are coming out my nose, you know, whatever it's, you know, the kids love it. It's fine, but it makes the impression. And now I'm doing a trade show. Now I'm basically getting paid to do a trade show because it's a trade show is just indoor street magic, uh, to be fair. So there's always somebody that has money. You just got to find them. And I put it on the charity, please, you guys find it. And then I give them one more thing. I say, listen, I can help attract. if it's a public event, like they're trying to get members of the public, like it's a, let's say it's a, it's a county fair or a municipal festival, right? Uh, you know, like Riverfest in Laurel or the 4th of July, you're know, trying to attract people to come to it. I say, I will go, if you will make the, set it up, I will go on local TV and local radio and I'll do magic on the radio and on TV to promote your event and we'll attract more people to your event so now i'm doing a little extra work but guess what i'm getting out of it i'm getting audio and video of me being on tv and radio which again increases my credibility as a performer
1: and that promotional material can be used on your website it can be used forever. for future gigs forever absolutely until absolutely you turn,
0: until your hair falls out or you turn gray and you don't look <laughs> like that anymore so so the point is there's always a value you know I, and you've done this as old i'm how many times have you gone on local tv and done a, t- a single card reading for somebody or explained that tarot is not uh, the devil worship, but it's really just, you know, more about you using your intuition and to help people in their lives, you know, tons of times, I mean, you're, you've, you're great. I've got a face made for radio, but you are great on TV. (laughs) You're very sweet. Thank you. (laughs) Plus you got that great voice and everything, but you're a great guest and they, and believe me right now, especially during COVID TV stations, local TV stations love to have visuals that don't involve body counts. Sure. So anything we can do that's upbeat and it's like, you know, I'll can you imagine somebody saying, I'm going to paint a simple oil painting right in front of you during the show. And you're there and they keep cutting back to you. And this is so-and-so and there's their website and they do paintings and they don't do it like this all the time, but they might come and do it live at your banquet or something at your event. And, uh, you know, or here's a watercolor I'm doing. And then at the end of the show, you present, you, you have that visual of the watercolor and you say, hey, I'm going to give it to you guys. And then the TV station might say, we're going to auction it off on our website for this charity or something like that. I mean, do you see how it all works together? Everybody's helping each other and there's a fair exchange of energy. And all it takes is the beauty of it is that we can use the creativity we already have to come up with solutions where everybody wins, because that's the bottom line. If we're putting that kind of energy into making what the client's doing that successful, believe me, they will pay us and they will do it over and over again. I had, um, there's a show that I do, which I think I've gotten two raises in, in years. My last show of the holiday season is a very special show to me. It's one that I've been doing longer than I thought, apparently. Um, it's a, uh, a Catholic church daycare uh, in Burtonsville, Maryland, and it's about 100 Hispanic and Asian kids. Um, and I do a show, and they and I make it snow because that's what they want. Um, they're willing to clean it up, so God bless them. <laughs> and um, and I get paid a tiny, relatively speak to what I get now. It's a ridiculously low amount, but it's one of the most fun shows that I do, and it's a great organization. And they've treated me really well over the years. In fact, one time I brought my son over because it happened to be on his birthday. His birthday's in December. We'll talk about that pain another time. Mm. And um, and they, gave, they had a cake for him
1: they had a cake for him
0: because it was their birthday. That's the kind of relationship you want with your clients. Well, I did it this past December and a young man, very well-spoken, well-turned-out young man, came up to me and said, Hi, I just graduated from college. I'm the son of so-and-so, one of the staffers at the daycare. And he said, I'm 23. He said, I remember I saw you the first time you did the show when I was three. And I was at wow. this daycare. And I, said, and I said, what the what? And he said, Yeah, I've been watching you do this for and I went to the to the booker and I said, I've been doing this gig for twenty years. And she said, Yeah. And I said, Holy moly. I just I had no idea. It just flew by. I did the I did the White House Military Office holiday party, which is a crazy gig because it's it's a secure facility inside another secure facility. So it takes longer to get in than it does to do the show. Mm. Um, and I did this event and, and by the time I did it for ten years, and by the end, there were there were children of staffers who were bringing their kids to see me
1: wow
0: <laughs> yeah so yes as I'm, I'm very very old but no i'm just kidding um so i uh, by the way if somebody asks your age just lie up i tell everybody i'm 85 and they're like you look fantastic
1: yeah um you look great for your age uh, ah yeah, yes exactly thank right. you so much
0: so what age is that the bronze age the iron age <laughs> the uh, mesozoic age so the point is that that's where repeat business comes from. Now, again, that particular gig, am I? is that kind of a gig going to make me a living? No, no. But that's the kind of gig that will make you a life. And so I always do, I do a few of these. Uh, and I usually do about one charity gig, at least one chair, public charity gig a month. Honestly, I, and sometimes I do them for free for other things. Sometimes I do it at a reduced rate. But I do it because it's a way to thank the world, thank and, and thank the community for the opportunity to make a living doing what I love to do. Um, and I think anybody who's in business should set aside a certain percentage of their time and their effort and their skill and their product to do that with. And a lot of people do. And, and I, I applaud everyone who does. So um, so in sum, if you want to go full time, that's great. But if you're part time, you still want to say, well, <clears throat> I want to earn sex amount of money not just to, you know, pay for the materials I'm using or to buy the next hot thing that I want to buy or to go to these conferences, but how much does it really cost me to do this stuff, but I want to do that plus. It's cost plus. I, not just my expenses, but I want to get you want to get to the point in your part-time work where you're making enough per gig that if you had more gigs, the right amount of gigs, then you could go full-time. And once you've got your pricing where you want it. Then you go about generating more gigs, but the solution is again competing on quality rather than price. But then, but having too many people to talk to, because the reason that we we book the gigs is that we're desperate because we don't have enough people to talk to. We have to book the gig. We have to take every gig that comes along, because uh, we don't have a choice. We're you know hand to mouth. We're trying to make the rent or whatever. So the answer is doing creating marketing that's actually going to generate so many people that are interested that we have to start saying no and, or sending those gigs to other performers.
1: And maybe that can be another episode of Money Monday, that this <clears> notion <throat> of how do we expand our marketing? How do we find those potential clients and, and develop those relationships that, that, that might have to be another episode uh, because again, we could keep talking about this for the next six hours, but, Generally speaking, we like to keep the episodes down to about an hour and a half, Eric, this has been fantastic. I I think we could probably do even much more on pricing, but I think some of these salient points are things that if you're listening to this, you think about this. Eric knows what he's talking about, as you can tell. And I think it would be great to revisit this, but we're gonna go on to another topic next second Monday. So that'll be the second Monday in March. And remember, yep. second Monday is Money Monday with Eric Henning. Remember oh. that.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Um, and by the way, the new website is up. I just wanna let people know, uh, moneyartsacademy.com. Uh, if you, uh, I'm offering a free 30 minute consultation about your, the business side of your art and if you mention Isolda uh, in the code area, just put in Isolda, uh, we'll double that to 60 minutes as a oh, free consultation.
1: That's amazing. Eric, that is fantastic. And if you want a link, hold on, coughing. Again, uh, and I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes so that, okay. uh, so that you can just go to the show notes and tap that link and get right to money arts right. Academy. Terrific. Alrighty, thank you so much for being here, Eric. We're gonna to talk to you again next time. This is Isolda Trachtenberg for the Creative Solutions Podcast, reminding you this episode was brought to you by Brain FM and this podcast host Podbean. If you want to get some little discounts, go ahead and hit those links in the show notes. Also. Don't forget to visit Money Arts Academy. This is Isolda Trachtenberg on behalf of Eric Kenning, reminding you, as always, to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. While Eric Kenning teaches general principles of money and does individual business coaching, he cannot and does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional licensed in your place of residence for specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the show if you're new and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2024. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope.